0: I'm not quite sure what happened, but yeah, they, they, they did end up uh, taking Trayvon, but um, yeah, I mean, congrats to him. it's, it's freaking awesome. But I mean, first thought, I mean, I was, I was just praying the lines were going to take me, you know, there was a, uh, it's kind of, it's a little bit scary when you get that green room and you know um, the lines are on the clock and you're just sitting there. I'm like, dear God, please pick please pick me. You know, that was what kind of what was running through my head.
1: Well, they didn't waste very long in picking him. We know that. And, and, Look, I'll give you my thoughts on where I think this draft stacks up in terms of the longevity and, and what this tells you about this organization going forward. We'll do that at about 618. Um, but this was an impressive draft, I thought, by Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell. And, and this is a situation where when Brad Holmes was brought in, this is kind of what you want you want somebody who's going to be aggressive you want somebody who will draft your playmakers and difference makers and and i believe mission accomplished in this 2022 draft um but look uh dave briquette over at the detroit free press covering this team for a very long time he joins us this evening on sports wrap uh what were your initial thoughts after uh round seven wrapped up and And the Lions selected uh cornerback chase lucas out of arizona state and and the day was done um and this draft was done dave wh- what did you think of this draft? what were your initial uh uh reactions?
0: yeah, I liked it too, and you know you mentioned it uh, well maybe you're calling me old there, but i uh <laughs> i have covered it yeah, it's for, slightly yeah <laughs> i know right i I have covered this team for a while, and honestly it's it's probably the you know the most positive i've i've come out of a draft i mean. Look, who knows what it's going to become, but I do like the fact that they were aggressive in going to get, you know, a big time playmaker, somebody that they think can have a, a really long-term impact on that offense and Jamison Williams, right? You get probably the best player in the draft and Aiden Hutchinson, he's going to be a difference maker for the defense. And however many weeks or months Jamison has to miss uh, the Lions think he can be the exact same thing for their offense. So I don't know that you know everything is uh, you know right about those picks. I, I may have picked someone different at at you know pick round two or round three, but um, I, I like the aggressiveness. I think Brad Holmes made the most use of his draft capital, and, and you go by any of the draft charts, he sure had a win moving up to to get Williams in terms of the value he got for picks thirty two, thirty four, and sixty six.
1: Well and this this is why we we've talked about in this program for so long the importance of draft capital because it it allows you to do multiple things either you can you can build a team through the draft you can take those picks as they stand and, and find players that will make you better that's an option you can also move up and move down and it gives you flexibility and so what we saw was was Brad Holmes exercising the ladder and being able to move around the board the way that they did. I, I, I had talked to some friends who were maybe a little lukewarm on this or you see people on Twitter, social media, that may be a little lukewarm. And, and, and I view Brad Holmes now like this is a real general manager. We've had some real stinkers in this city in the past, uh, namely the last three. And so when you when you find somebody that's willing to to kind of put their their reputation on the line, trading up twenty spots to get Jameson Williams, uh, an injured player coming off an ACL tear in the national championship game, going after guys later in the draft, uh, you know Kirby Joseph it comes to mind, uh, the, the safety out of Illinois. You're you're really taking some opportunities here to maybe draft some guys in spots that you wouldn't have. There was no Jelani Tavai in this draft, and so. I look at Brad Holmes as a real general manager, being able to manipulate a board that he finds that's in the best position for his draft. How how do you think uh, of the job that Brad Holmes did here?
0: Well, you know, I, I think it's always, it always feels better when you move up than when you move down because you, you know, you're getting some immediate reward in terms of a big name player, one of the best guys in the draft. Right. So there's, there's just that, that intrinsic value, I think, to a lot of people. Like, we're going up and we're getting this guy that I know, and, and we're being aggressive. And and so I, I do think, you know, it's it's easier to to say that coming off a draft like this, um, whereas, you know, when you move down, you don't always, you know, reap the, the fruits of, of your rewards right off the bat. But I do think what Brad, you know, I talked to him a little bit yesterday, and he sort of, you know, he says he – and you know, he uses a, an engine comparison, right, for players. Like, V6 is nice, and, and a V8 is, is pretty powerful. But if you can get V12s, like, that's that's yeah. what you want. And and he thinks, you know, he got a couple of those. And so, um, look, you, you need those guys to win in the NFL, right? You need depth, but you certainly need some, some playmakers, too. And the Lions have lacked that for a couple of years now. And so I think, I don't know, again, if these guys are both going to hit or, or, you know, their entire draft class is going to hit, but I do think they at least gave themselves the possibility of having a couple of those V12-type players on their roster.
1: To, uh, and we'll get to the other players here in just a second, but but the Jamison Williams pick is, is the one that's going to, I think, come under the most, I don't know if scrutiny is the right word, but there's going to be a lot of of eyes on Jamison Williams and the job that he does and, and whether or not he uh, sure. deserves that that pick at 12. But I view... The ACL injuries or injuries, really, as a as a generality, this is not like it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. You you see that the way that the athletes are built nowadays and the injuries that they're able to overcome. I mean, look at Cam Akers for an example. Um, But but that to me doesn't scare me. The fact that somebody like Jamison Williams is coming off the ACL. What what were you what are your thoughts on on Jamison Williams and the role that he's going to fill?
0: Look, I, I like Jameson Williams. I thought he was the best receiver in the draft. Um, but you know, even saying that, I, I think it's valid to have injury concerns. I mean, it's just you know, there's there's risk there, and maybe that's what what stops me from just going all out and saying that you know this is the the greatest A plus draft like like some of these sites, right? Not only Jameson Williams, but the the tight end from Virginia Tech, James Mitchell, that the Lions took. You know, he's coming off an ACL as well, and so. Um, you know, you never know what a player is going to be like coming back from from injury, and maybe I'm a little scarred by the Ryan Broyles draft pick a sure. couple of years ago to – to think that, um, you know, who knows uh, exactly what he's going to be. But if Jamison Williams is right, and I'm pretty sure the Lions will take their time before they put him on the field Mm -hmm. to make sure he is right, you know, he's an explosive, deep threat. He can run away from defenders in the middle of the field. You know, he can do a lot of different things. And, and again, this is a a type of offensive playmaker I don't think the Lions have had in a while. And when you look at the cost of receivers and how it skyrocketed this offseason – uh, in terms of the amount teams are starting to pay those guys, uh, it's a huge benefit to have a guy like that if he lives up to his potential on a rookie deal.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I think that wide receiver room last year—look, it was it was bad. Uh, and now you take a position group that was that wasn't very good on paper last year. You you saw the development of Amon Ross, Saint Brown. You you brought in DJ Shark. You add somebody like Jamison Williams. Even towards the, the the tail end of the season, if you really take your time with them, like like you mentioned, I think they will. Um, you, you turn a weakness into a strength, and, and I I think that part of all of this too with their last uh, six picks, five of them going towards the defensive side of the ball. You you put Aiden Hutchinson on that uh, other side of the defensive line, maybe opposite Josh Pascal. And, and and again with a unit that was 31st in the league in points in points allowed on defense, you knew that they were going to address the defense. What did you think of the later round, second through seven?
0: Yeah, I mean, you look, uh, you know, the the past pick, um, I put him on my, you know, I do these sort of three draft scenarios right the the week before the draft, and and who mm-hmm. the Lions could take, and you know what happens if they take somebody up top, and. Um, I thought he was a, a great fit for the Lions because of some of the inside pass rush that he has and because of the character. Truthfully, he was off my board a little bit when they when they took you know, Hutchinson. I just didn't expect him to go with another defensive lineman that high. So that one surprised me, but I think he is a good player. And, uh, you know, he will add some value to the Lions with the pass rush that he brings. Uh, you know, Kirby Joseph, we'll see. You know, he's uh, certainly you know, had a good season last year for Illinois, a little Mm -hmm. bit younger in his development. So I I think we have to see exactly what some of those guys turn
1: out to be. Good stuff. Dave Burkett, the Free Press. Always appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you. You got it. Talk to you again. Yep, there he is, Dave Burkett. Uh More to come on Sports Wrap next. it will give you my feelings on this draft as we continue here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. All right, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on the first round because I think we we pretty much covered that for you yesterday. I feel that Aiden Hutchinson was the best defensive player in this draft. He fell the number two, so the Lions wasted no time in scooping him up. I, I think that to trade up 20 spots to trade Jamison Williams uh, for Jamison Williams um, in a, in a trade where not only did the Lions acquire better value for their picks, but they landed in in my mind, and as you just heard Dave Burkett say, the number one receiver in this draft. And and, and if Jamison Williams hadn't torn his ACL in the national championship game against Georgia, um, he would have been the first receiver taken. He probably would have been a top five pick. And and and, and all of that to say, if you remember. Watching the SEC title game, watching the national championship game, uh, Jameson Williams had a day. Both days against that vaunted Georgia defense, one of the best defenses that I remember seeing in college football in quite some time. And, and James, they had no answer for Jameson Williams, none, zero. And so when you when you're aggressive, when you acquire the draft capital that this team has. It gives you the flexibility, and they exercise that flexibility in being able to be stay nimble, move up, and select a, a real difference maker. And look, I, I don't anticipate you seeing Jameson Williams in the first half of the season. I just don't. Um, I mean, maybe you see him around Thanksgiving, right? Like, like wherever you think is is a realistic time frame for him to recover from that injury. Fine, I I, I don't see any need. To hustle him back. You make sure he's right. When he's right, then you bring him back. But but I thought the way that they handled the last six rounds, I thought was excellent. I think that you look at the at the at the numbers that Josh Pascal, the defensive end out of Kentucky, put up at the combine, impressive. An explosive player. And, and for all of those people out there who have said Aiden Hutchinson benefited from David Ajabo on the other side of the line at Michigan last year, you could see a similarity in the way that Josh Pascal plays and can play on the other side that will help Aiden Hutchinson. Josh Pascal can also play inside. There's flexibility there. I think pairing Kirby Joseph eventually with Tracy Walker on the back end makes that defense better. Again, this defense was second to last last year in points allowed per game, second to last. Well, you want a nice ball-hawking safety to go go alongside Tracy Walker. You may have accomplished that with Kirby Joseph. And again, look, this is a draft. We don't know how these guys are going to perform in the NFL, but but from what we have seen on tape, from games that we have seen, these are the best guesses that, that you can put out there. You know, I thought I thought in the sixth round grabbing Malcolm Rodriguez at Oklahoma State, the linebacker, he's a thumper. He's got speed. I think that's nice. That's a nice pick late in the draft. Look, I got to be honest with you. I don't know a lot about James Houston, the edge out of uh, Jackson State. But but uh, what's his nickname, Jason? The problem? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> I don't think you have a nickname like that if you aren't a problem.
2: Sounds like he should be a member of the Dallas Cowboys with a nickname like that.
1: I'll take it. <laughs> um. So look, I, I for me, I just think that this is this is a situation where you're gonna. I, I look, I look at this draft like I have to compare it to to other drafts in recent years, where it's like last year with with Brad Holmes in his first draft at the helm. You say, okay, well, let's see how this goes. Well, a couple of the guys have panned out really nicely. Um, namely Amon Ross a. Brown. Mid-round pick, somebody who's who really is a full-blown contributor. I told you yesterday I don't think he's a number one. I think Jameson Williams would will be your number one going forward, but he is a bona fide number two. He is, you know, no, he is a golden take in, in, in role sense. And so when you look at when you look at these drafts you look at what pundits around the country are saying and and when you're averaging grades like b plus a minus um it you, you're highly thought after you're you're highly uh, thought of and the guys that that you selected you feel can be real difference makers i'm very high on this draft very very much so because I feel like Brad Holmes did what he told you he was going to do. You go out, you find difference makers trading up, trading down. Doesn't matter. They did both. It doesn't matter. As long as you find guys, you trust your, here's the other part in all this, Jason, is you got to trust your scouting department. And if there's one thing we know from Brad Holmes, look, he he was the head of, of college scouting with the Rams, and he, Had a huge hand in building that Super Bowl winning team that that won the the Lombardi last year. And so you look at a track record of a guy like that. You look at what he say, what he tells the media, what he tells you as a fan. And if he can go out and practice what he preaches, that's really all you can ask for. And look, there will be scrutiny here. Brad Holmes did not play this safe. And, and much like when you draft a guy like Jelani Tavai in the second round and ESPN doesn't have tape on him to show you because they didn't expect him to go there, um, that's a different situation than trading up for essentially the number one receiver on the board. Barring a, an injury, he would have been a top five pick. So, in terms of, of, being able to execute your board, being able to maneuver around drafting is such an important skill for a general manager. And I think they have done a really, really nice job. I'm very high on this draft. And look, again, these guys, we don't know. We don't, we don't know how they're going to perform in the NFL. I mean, right, we, we've seen first-round busts. Uh, 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 there's too many to name. You've seen number one picks that have been complete busts. But what you do is you find difference makers. You trust your scouting department and you find difference makers. And I feel that they accomplished that. Jason, what are your thoughts on the later rounds?
2: Well, <clears throat> they definitely uh with the eight draft picks, six defensive picks, two offensive picks, the they needed a number one wide receiver. There's no question about that. They went up and they and they got that. And then they addressed the defense. And basically what they were saying is we we feel we've got a good offense to put on the field. Now we need to work on defense. So I thought um, <clears throat> I thought they did that very nicely because, like you said, um, last year they were, what, second worst in the NFL. But you said something yesterday that I, I want to go back to where you said this draft kind of felt like uh, the adults were doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it couldn't be even more true. It really felt like they, you know, and, and like you said, we don't know how these guys are going to pan out. No. But I, I think I think that Brad Holmes and his team did a did a great job on paper.
1: And, and here's the other part in all of this too: is is when when you consider when you consider the amount of draft capital they had, you don't feel it, it doesn't feel like you're hurting. Doesn't feel like you're you're hemorrhaging picks. Right, like when you see some guys go, uh, uh, organizations uh, drafting multiple first, like like the Rams, great example. Now you, you go out and and get a, a Matthew Stafford, win you a Super Bowl. I don't I don't think you you don't give that back. But in a position where the Lions are in, where they're looking to to basically build a franchise from the ground up, they had one of the worst rosters top to bottom in football last year. And I don't feel that way this year. And I don't feel like they gave up an excess amount of draft capital to get better. And I I think they used their picks appropriately. And that's all you can ask for. Here's the other part. Is we had talked, what, uh, last weekend or the weekend before about Debo Samuel and whether or not Debo was a guy you wanted to see here. And, And I told you I didn't. But what this front office does brad holmes has said it is we look at everybody we look at everybody who who it becomes available in the nfl and we figure out if they're worth us going after if if they are worth going after to be on this roster and by all accounts reports indicate that debo samuel uh the lions inquired and and in fact even potentially made a put a package together for the niners in in an effort to acquire debo samuel it didn't work, and I'll tell you, I'm thrilled it didn't. Not because I don't like Debo Samuel; I think he's a great player. But Jace, you look at what Jamison Williams was able to do at at Alabama, and, and I've heard the knocks on on Jamison Williams. He was a receiver at Ohio State. He left because he didn't because they told him he wasn't going to get playing time. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, the three receivers at Ohio State. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be the number one receiver off the board next year. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were the top two receivers this year, in my mind, off the board. Drake London was in the mix as well this year, but he he went from Ohio State to Alabama, and produced the way he did. I'm uh, all I'm saying is that ain't a knock to say he couldn't bust the lineup at Ohio State, but that he goes to Alabama. And 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 it, there is no doubt that he was the best receiver in this draft outside that injury. So if you're able to, as a front office, go out, inquire, maybe even make a package for somebody like Debo Samuel and it falls through, I'll tell you, I'm okay with it. Because if that turns into Jamison Williams, I'm more excited about Jamison Williams than I am about Debo Samuel. And you may think I'm off my rocker for that because we've seen what Debo can do in the league. I'm more excited about James. Have you seen, look, you go and look at some of these highlights from Jameson Williams and the way he blows past SEC secondaries and tell me that's not exciting. We'll talk about Jared Goff next here as we continue on Sports Wrap. I apologize, Danielle. The bed ran out. I won't. I'll stop talking now. We'll go to break. More on Sports rap next. You want to weigh in on the draft, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. I think uh, I've been pretty steadfast in my belief that this quarterback class was no good, and, and, and I'm sorry. If you're not taking a quarterback in the top 10, top 15 picks, I'm not interested. I'm just not interested. I'm not taking, I'm not interested in taking a quarterback in the second round because for every quarterback taken in the second round, like guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, guys like Andy Dalton. Yes. Colin Kaepernick too. There are, there are th- th- that is littered with stinkers and I'm just not interested. How about Drew Locke taking the second round? You want Drew Locke, Jason? No. no. How about Deshaun Kaiser? You want Deshaun Kaiser in the second round? Mm, no. Bad. How about Christian Hackenberg? What's he doing? He's bagging <laughs> groceries. Uh, how about, uh, how about Gino Smith? You want Geno Smith in the second round? No, thank you. It, then that is a position I'm not willing to take. And yes.
2: Heck even Daniel Jones that, in the first round.
1: Yeah. I don't want it. It, it, it. Outside of, you know, guys like Russell Wilson, Yes, yes, I know. I know. Tom Brady taking the sixth round, I got it. Those guys are unicorns. That's not the, they are the exception to the rule and not the rule itself. So, no, I don't think that there was a a bona fide uh, must-have quarterback in this draft. And I really like Kenny Pickett. I I think Malik Willis is going to be a fine player. Not for this team. Not for this organization that has so many needs. So, look. Now, this is the rubber meets the road time for 27-year-old Jared Goff. I told you yesterday, I'm done with Checkdown City. When Jameson Williams gets on the roster and he's on the field, uh, time, time to air it out. DJ Shark can catch the football. Time to air it out. You know what Ross St. Brown could do now. Time to air it out. I'm not doing Checkdown City anymore. Now it's rubber meets the road. And this team, by not drafting a quarterback, rightfully so, in my opinion, rightfully so, then they've said, look, Jared Goff, now is your time to shine. This is sink or swim. And and that's the position they have put Jared Goff in. He's 27 years old. His career is not over. He will not demand big-time money like some of these other quarterbacks will. So can he be a serviceable? Can he be Ryan Tannehill? That's my question. Like, can he be somebody like Ryan Tannehill who has, who has playmakers? Well, did until AJ Brown got dealt to, to, to uh, Philly. But if you've got playmakers, can you make that work? That's who we're asking Jared Goff to be. We're not asking him to be Tom Brady. We're not asking him to be, be Matt Stafford. We're not asking him to be Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. We're asking you to be Ryan Tannehill. Can he do that? I absolutely think he can. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Greg and Shelby Township, got Thoughts. What's up, Greg? Hey, Chris, Jay
3: Sizzle, and Danny Lynn, Mr. Positive. Hey, does it concern you whatsoever about Mr. Jameson Williams' uh, anterior crucial ligament tear you don't you don't have any concerns with that when he's bobbing and weaving, juking and doing the four two forty? You think zero. he's gonna be um, zero
2: he damaged goods, Christopher.
1: Zero. I have zero concern. Okay Do you have concerns, Greg? Do you?
2: Yes I do because
3: they've had doctors on various programs and they say that what is helping him is that he's twenty one years old. If he was older, eh? It could be a little bit tougher, but let's hope, See, note let's hope because this man is the fastest in the uh, draft this year, and if he is, and
2: Goff can throw it like uh, Matt Stafford, hate to bring him up, he's always great, um, you know, that'll be a good, uh, 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 good uh, capture, if you will. So I'm All just right, concerned well, that, but, uh, let's hope he okay, holds up.
1: Let, let, let me ask you this. How about somebody is like there? Cam Akers? Cam Akers, who's a running back. By the way, which is which is, I'd argue from an minute. coming back from an ACL pair can be even more daunting than a receiver. How about Cam Akers? Well, well Jason, how long was Cam Akers out for? Like six months?
2: Yeah, something like yeah, that. something like that. I mean, yeah.
1: And then he came back and was their leading rusher going into the into the into the the playoffs.
2: Point well taken, I mean, Christopher. Point well taken. Uh,
1: and and Greg, and I don't, I'm not, I don't blame you for being worried about that. I think that's a very uh, that can be a real concern, but at the same time, this guy is the. I mean, look, Greg. You go look at some of those those highlights of Jameson Williams blowing the top off uh, SEC secondaries, just absolutely running past them like they're playing in the MAC. I mean, this guy okay. is different. I'm it. Okay. He's different. So I'm sure I'm I I, your I, word. I understand the 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 apprehension. I get it but but i'm telling you this guy's this guy's different so and 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 he i think he said it draft day didn't he jace where he said look i think that the 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 fact that they climbed 20 draft spots to take me means that i'm wanted means that they want me here and that's huge it's absolutely huge and so i think you give this guy a little extra motor i think you give him a little extra juice to get him back into playing shape and look, and, and and Greg, I appreciate the call. I I think that this staff is smart enough to know that just because you put a donut on the Ferrari doesn't mean you take it 80, 90 miles an hour. You got to get it to Bell Tire before you can take it 160 again. And so just because this guy will be able to practice in a couple of months, just because he will be able to do some things, doesn't mean you should start him. Doesn't mean he should see game action for, for months, probably. And so I I have a lot of faith in this staff. This is a toy you're not going to be able to, to, to play with for a while, but I, I believe that they will handle this properly or at least in the time frame that's been set out by the doctors, in a time frame that 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 feels right to Jameson Williams, I don't think they get him back before he's ready, before the doctors say he's ready, and before they're actually ready to put him out there. I just don't. I don't see a situation in they when where they try to hurry him. Is that is that crazy?
2: No, no, not at all. This is still a rebuild, and it's it's still getting everything into place, and that's why this is a perfect scenario for him that he can. He can, he can, they can ease him along very slowly if they need to. No, no reason to, to, to rush him onto the field. This is going to be somebody for the future. They don't even have their, their franchise quarterback yet. So just gradually get him along slowly.
1: Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we got some other stuff going on. Uh, Jason, you've got, uh, some scores going around <sighs> on, on games that happening now happened earlier today. What do you got?
2: All right. Well, our Detroit Tigers are in LA, and they are currently. Hold on, let me get my uh, scoreboard up here. Oh, they're on the board now, six to two. Bottom of the eighth. Still doesn't look good for the Tigers. They did pull one out yesterday. Looks like they're going to drop two out of three to the Dodgers. Uh, Boston they lose to Baltimore nine to five earlier. Minnesota continues to roll. Byron Buxton's seventh homer. They beat the Rays nine to three. The Blue Jays. The exciting hey, before Blue- you, but,
1: wait, yeah. but before you continue, I we I, can we talk about the Minnesota Twins for a second? Yeah. <laughs> what what is happening? Because I I I have to maintain that they stink. I made a big deal. I think that they are not a very good ball cup, but they're on fire right now.
2: Oh yeah, and they've got about a, I think they got a four game lead now at, at top of the Central. Nope. They're they're starting pitching on paper is god awful, but they're pitching well. And you keep Byron Buxton healthy. That's one player that is yeah. something else. Seventh home run already today for him. All right, I'm sorry. Continue oh, on, no, You're no on the blue Jays. <laughs> blue Jays beat Houston three to two. Bo Bichette, he hit his third. The White Sox, or I'm sorry, the Angels hung on late to beat the White Sox six to five. Mike Trout with his sixth bomb. Aaron Judge went yard twice. The Yankees beat the Royals six to four. Right now, Cleveland in the top of the eighth. No problems with Oakland. They're up 7-0. Earlier, Seattle beat Miami 7-3. Seattle off to a 12-10 start. The Braves, they lose to Texas 7-3, while the Padres beat the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates 5-2. The Cubs shut out the Brewers 2-0. Arizona, they lose to St. Louis 7-5. Nolan Arenado with his sixth the Reds now that's a team that is bad they lose again 10 to <laughs> one 10 to one in Colorado today and we've got the uh the Nationals are up eight nothing on the Giants bottom seven the nightcap will have Max Scherzer on the mound as the Mets take on the Phillies well
1: what what is your uh I guess impression of of what the the, the Tigers are going through right now uh they beat the dodgers yesterday that snapped a six game losing losing streak um they just haven't been able to find any momentum at all and and coming off of of miggy hitting 3000 um it, it kind of feels like the the air's been let out of the balloon a bit they don't really have they're struggling at the plate they're not scoring runs i think in that in that six game skid um They had a combined total of eleven hits. I mean, they're just not hitting the baseball.
2: Yeah, and and after Miggy's three thousand hit, I think reality kind of set back in where this team has a lot of injuries, a lot of starting pitching is out right now. They they just can't seem to field the ball. They had four errors on Thursday in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last two the last two days they have well let's the whole Dodgers series they've. Uh, I'm sorry, Thursday they had 11 hits, scored one run. Today they have scored two runs, and they have eight hits. So they're hitting the ball a little bit better. But um, starting pitching, uh, they've got to get some folks back there. And um, we'll see how it goes. And they have a weird schedule this week coming up. They're back home Tuesday, two games against the Pirates, back out on the road uh, next weekend at Houston. So the schedule makers are, are definitely not, uh, being very kind so far to them either.
1: All right. We'll take a quick break coming up, uh, seven Oh five spin on golf. Uh, the fellows are down at Detroit golf club. We'll catch up with them next. A sport trap continues here on WJR. All right, Spin on Golf coming your way at 7.05. The fellas are down at Detroit Golf Club, BC, Mike Fay, uh, Jordan Young. Uh, we don't know where he is. He's still MIA. Uh, Sean guess. Belegian will be with us. What's up, fellas? How we doing? Good. How are you? Good. How you doing, Chris? I'm great. What did you Dr. think of the draft?
3: Loved it. It was awesome. I love the Lions. I yes. really like the Lions. I mean, I like the way they look now. I really mm uh-huh. I've I i do not think my whole lifetime I've been this positive about the Lions.
1: I, I said it yeah, Ever. I said it yesterday. Um y- you know w- with with the Matt Millens and the Luans and the and, and 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 Bob Quit it feels like the adults are now driving the ship. Feels like feels like you've got a real front office, feels like you've got a a real bona fide general manager that, that's that's willing to to, I don't know. Open himself up to scrutiny to make bold moves to make this organization better, and I think, I think we saw that in the first round with the with the the trade up twenty spots to get Jamison Williams.
3: I I think they made the move. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, the bold move. They did the right thing. Finally, like we're waiting, as we talked about last week, we're waiting the Lions to screw this up. They didn't. I think they made the right moves at the right time to get what they wanted and get what they really needed. And obviously, the number one pick obviously was kind of lucky either way if they're going to get uh, the guy from Michigan. But things worked out. They, things Hutchinson, worked out. Yeah. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, yeah. Good person. we we'll got another good person in, in Detroit. Chris, uh-huh. what do you think of Malcolm Rodriguez?
1: Hey, he's a thumper. Uh, I think uh, so. I, I think, look, I, I watched a little Oklahoma State this year, um, and, and I think, uh, again, I, I'm big on value. Where can you find value in these drafts? And, and so for me, um, you know, uh, uh, taking Malcolm Rodriguez in the sixth round is a value pick, just like I thought last year, taking um, Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round was a value pick. And look, you're, you're, not all these guys are going to pan out like Amon Ross St. Brown did. And, and you hope he's able to continue uh, the production that he kind of finished the year with. Um, but but I, I think it's a it's all about value and where you can find these guys. And, and so, yeah, Malcolm Rodriguez is a guy I really like in, in that spot. And, and Josh Pascal in the second round. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that a lot of folks would have expected them to go back to defensive end with that spot. But again, you look at the numbers you put up in the combine. You look at what he, what he was able to do in the SEC. Um, yeah, no, I, I really like. It. I really like the value picks. And and I, when you look at at this draft, kind of top to bottom, it feels like all of these picks have value. And by the way, the Jamison Williams trade. You know, each draft pick is assigned like a point value, right? Like that's kind of how they they determine if trades are equal or whatever. And it and not only did you know when, when you trade. 32, 34, and 66 and get 46 back. They actually got better value for those picks. And so, again, it's the importance of, of acquiring draft capital to either build through the draft or or being able to stay nimble enough. And they found that there was an opportunity. You know, a guy was banged up. But if you look at those highlights at Alabama, he's running through those secondaries like he's playing in the MAC. And
3: right. he, those secondaries are not just regular NCAA football. That's he's yeah, a freak. That's yeah, that's the yeah. SEC. That's real football. And uh, the more SEC I see on the field <laughs> for the Lions, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The better. that's good stuff. Yeah, it's really. Um, good.
1: In the meantime, John Rahm hanging on for the win down at the Mexico Open. Um, he, again, you mentioned he didn't play. We were talking in the break. He he didn't play very well in the back nine, but he, he did enough to get it done. Right. Nobody put up a charge. Nobody did. Uh,
3: You know, uh, Dylan Wu, or Brandon Wu, I'm sorry, that's his next Yeah, Fino and Wu both shot 63 today, so they're getting after it. They brought it uh, early on, and they were in there a long time before he was, and uh, he hung on. It was nice to see.
1: Well, Tony finished, what, uh, five under in his last six holes? Yeah. I mean, that's really impressive. Yeah,
3: Yeah, kind of a weird... Place that nobody really knew. New place, new down, down on the Pacific in Mexico. Very uh, nice too. It uh,
1: was pretty cool looking. I thought you know, and
3: eighteen was kind of a, I don't know, eighteen's kind of a dud finishing hole, but uh, seventeen was certainly a great hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: in the meantime, I wanted to bring this up to you guys. Um, so so there had been this, this. uh, I I don't know. First of all, if there's something less that I like than a good golf feud. I don't know what it is. I love me some golf feuds. And, and we had a weird one uh, a couple of months ago, Kevin, nah, and Grayson Murray. Uh, if you don't know who these, these guys are, Kevin, nah, is famous for walking in almost d- darn near every one of his putts. And if you don't know Grayson Murray, you're not the only one. Um, but Grayson Murray tweeted Kevin, nah, this was back in January, Kevin, Na taking three oh no. Uh, Sorry, somebody tweeted, Chantel McCabe, who's a golf writer, tweeted, Kevin now walking in putts does not get old. Grayson Murray responded to that tweet and said, Kevin not taking three minutes to putt them does get old. And then Kevin now replied, you missing the cut is getting old, which is just wonderful. I'm all
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's going to be this year is it was. Brooks and Brooks and, uh, and, and, and Brooks you know, yeah. So we got to have something else going. It's on It's wonderful.
1: I think I think it, it boosts the game so much more. Well, then uh, down at the Mexico Open, oh yeah, uh, Grayson Murray came out and said Kevin Noss started shouting obscenities at him, um, but, uh, during a uh, a warm up session on the range, and 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 now I don't know. I think this kind of this thing kind of fizzled out after those tweets, and now it's. Now we've reignited this thing because Grayson Murray's like, Man, if we weren't on the range, I would have dropped you. Uh I don't know if you saw any of this, but but this is what the people want. I think
3: so. Well, the I would say the COVID golfers want that. I mean okay. Us traditionalists, maybe not, oh, but oh I'm sick. Like, well, what
1: are you saying? What are you, what are you saying about me?
3: Uh, I don't know. Are you a COVID golfer? I'm not. Okay. I mean, I'm not, um, but I, I don't know. It's not a boxing match. I mean, I want to well, I see someone get their head beat in. I go watch a boxing no, match. I mean, no, I don't know. I don't fights, but I want, I want Twitter feuds. Twitter is thing. what I want. Yeah, Octagon yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't think it has a place in golf. I really don't. I, I like the uh, Chambeau and Brooks Koepka thing because that was more about the –
1: Was that real? Do you think that was real?
3: There's some money on the line,
1: right? Yeah, okay. I I mean, right?
3: The social media thing they did for that and all that. So these guys are afraid about that, too.
1: Yeah. What do you guys got coming up?
3: Uh, Just the PGA Tour. Mike's got the LPGA Tour, and then uh, the champions are still playing. They're all west. uh, The the ladies and the uh, men are all west. We're going to talk about when is this weather going to break so we can play some more golf outside.
1: I I, Look, I saw folks out there today. They were getting after it.
3: Mm -hmm. It was nice for 32 minutes today.
1: (laughs) Uh, By the way, how's DGC looking?
3: It looks great. Yeah, the greens, I I hit some putts on the putting green today, and it was like 14. It was putted the first one right off the green. It's fast, but it looks great. It really looks great, and the rough is about that deep already. Mm -hmm. So, you know. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, lots of rain, no doubt. All right, Spit on Golf coming your way. Fellas, have a nice show. Thank you. Thank you. All right, uh, that'll do it for us tonight. Have yourself a wonderful week. Catch you next Saturday here on Sports Rep. Have a good one.